Atuh. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي خلق السماوات والأرض وجعل الظلمات والنور ثم الذين كفروا بربهم يعدنون لا يحصي عدد نعمه العادون ولا يؤدي شكره المتحمدون ولا يبلغ مدى عظمته الواصفون بديع السماوات والأرض إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأعتقد أن لا رب إلا إياه شهادة من لا يرتاب في شهادته واعتقاد من لا يستنكف عن عبادته وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله الأمين أرسله الله تعالى إلى الخلق أجمعين بلسان عربي مبين بلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح الأمة وكشف الغمة وجاهد في سبيل الله المشركين وعبد ربه حتى أتاه اليقين فصلى الله عليه وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين وعلى أصحابه المنتخبين وعلى من سار على نهجهم وسلك طريقهم إلى يوم الدين ثم أما بعد Brothers and sisters in Islam One of the main goals of why Allah sent the prophets one of the main goals of why there is a direct communication between Allah and mankind 
is the goal of establishing justice on earth. The goal of establishing fairness and equity amongst all of mankind. Allah says in Surah Al-Hadid, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلَنَا بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ we have sent our prophets with clear signs. And we have revealed the books and we have sent down the scales. Why? So that mankind can establish justice amongst themselves. And then Allah says, and we also sent iron down as well. So that this too establishes justice. Now this is a deep verse, this is not the purpose of today's khutbah. But what Allah is saying, the Qur'an and iron establish justice. How does the Qur'an and iron establish justice? The Qur'an establishes justice by making us feel a conscience, iman, taqwa. We start to think about living our lives with fairness and equity. And if we don't have a conscience and we act with injustice, then iron meaning punishment, meaning warfare, meaning prison, meaning the courts and justice are going to establish justice in this earth. So internally, Iman establishes justice. And externally, law and society and order and the courts and the jails establish justice. Two things establish justice. The Quran, the prophetic message, and then externally society. But the mu'min doesn't need external society. The mu'min establishes justice in his or her life. Today's khutbah, dear brothers and sisters, is one aspect of justice. One important reminder of an area where unfortunately too much injustice takes place. And that is the injustice that we see amongst family members. The injustice we see between people who are related by blood, people who are married, people who have a special bond. You would think that they would be the most in terms of being just with one another. But the sad reality is that one of the main areas where injustice is seen over and over again. One of the main areas where the rights are not cared about, where the huquq are trampled over, where zulm and baghi and fitna and fasad takes place, is between members of one family. Dear brothers and sisters, injustice is evil when it takes place between strangers. What then do you think of injustice when it takes place between husband and wife, between mother and son, between siblings? What will be the injustice within families? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of the consequences of injustice generically when he says, Do not ever think that Allah is unaware of what the zalim is doing, what the unjust person is doing. Allah is fully aware and Allah is only delaying them until the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us in the Quran, Allah's curse is upon the one who does injustice. This is very rare. The curse of Allah is the worst punishment of Allah. There is nothing that is more painful and harmful than Allah's curse. Because Allah's curse means He shall never show mercy. And when Allah never shows mercy, you will never get mercy. And Allah mentions one of the categories that He has cursed is the zalim. The one who takes the rights of other people. The one who usurps. The one who uses his or her power to take the rights of other people. Allah says, our Prophet ﷺ said, 
A person shall remain at ease on the day of judgment as long as he hasn't done zulm to others by shedding their blood or taking their rights. When a person does, does zulm, then the day of judgment, there will be no ease. A person will always have hope on the day of judgment. If the sins are between him and Allah, there's hope. But the minute the sins are between him and other people, the minute that he or she has usurped the rights of other people, well then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow people to be judges of each other. And when someone else whom you have harmed on the day of judgment will be told, take your right, do you think they will forgive you? Do you think they will let you go? So the Prophet reminded us that, O oh people, absolve yourselves of any injustices in this dunya that you have done. O oh people, get rid of any zulm you have done. Get rid of it, meaning ask forgiveness, make up, give some money, make up for any injustice you have done before the day when there will be no excuse. There will be no saying, I'm sorry. And the only currency will be the currency of your good deeds. Your good deeds will be given to other people. Our Prophet reminded us of the reality of injustice when he said, do you know who is the bankrupt person in my ummah? They said, oh Messenger of Allah, the bankrupt person is the one. He's taken more loans and he doesn't have money to pay, so he's bankrupt. The Prophet said, no, the bankrupt person is not the one who doesn't have loans and money in this world. The bankrupt person is the one who comes on the day of judgment and his good deeds are like the mountains. His personal charity, his salah, his zakah, they're like the mountains. But he also comes having harmed other people, backbiting other people, taking the rights of other people. And so on the day of judgment, all of his good deeds will be challenged in Allah's court. Everyone will come and say, Ya Allah, he did this. Ya Allah, she did that. And so his good deeds will absolve in front of his eyes. He will be left with nothing. He will become bankrupt when he has no good deeds to give. Their evil will be put onto his scales because that is the day, Yawm al-Din. That is the day of justice. That is the real day of hisab. And that will be the bankrupt person. He thought he had a lot. He thought he's coming with so much on the day of judgment. But he didn't care about how he treated other people. He didn't care about the rights of those closest to him. And so all of his good deeds will go away in front of his eyes. That is the bankrupt person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us in the Quran of treating our extended family with justice. For example, the verse about orphans. And in, the, in, in those days, the people who would take care of orphans, they would be like the cousins or second cousins. The parents have died, and so the extended family, an uncle will take the orphans, or a second cousin will take the orphans. Even though their family, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Anybody who eats the property of orphans unjustly, even if you're a relative, you're an uncle, you're an aunt, you take that orphan's property that his parents left him and you take an advantage of a child. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you can eat it in this dunya. What you eat, it will become the fire of hell on the day of judgment. You are eating the fire of hell on the day of judgment. And indeed, our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, there is no sin whose punishment is more hasty in this world before the next, along with the next, than the sin of, of being unjust and the sin of breaking the ties of kinship. There is no sin whose consequences you will face in this world and the next 
as swiftly and as quickly as the one who is unjust and the one who breaks the ties of kinship. What then do you think of combining injustice and breaking the ties of kinship? What do you think of the one who is unjust to his own family? The, the one who is unjust to his own sibling? The one who is unjust to his or her own spouse? How then do you think that person will face Allah Azza wa Jal on the day of judgment? Dear Muslims, now is the time to have a self-inspection before it is too late to have a self-inspection. Now is the time to consider where and what have I done to other people, especially those that are closest to me. There are so many examples of dhulm that come to us all the time. We don't have time to go over all of them. But some of the examples of the dhulm, for example, that parents do to their children is to not be fair amongst their children, to have blatant preferential treatment of one over the other. And this is the height of injustice. Our Prophet ﷺ said, do not give one child a gift that you don't give the other children. This is a type of injustice. You're not allowed to show preferential treatment. Yes, in your heart, if it happens, it happens. But you have to be fair. Remember the story of Yaqub and Yusuf. Outwardly, he was fair. And yet still, the people, the, the children felt jealous. That's on them. But Yaqub did not do anything outwardly to show his love of Yusuf being extra. Of the ways that injustice is shown is sometimes gender injustice. And no doubt, girls and boys are not the same, but they're equally human and they equally deserve love. No doubt the way you show protection to your girls is going to be different, understandably. But overall, to educate one gender and to leave the other gender backward and uneducated, that is injustice. To force one gender to get married and to not care about the other gender, it is not allowed to force any child, any young man or woman to get married against their will. This is the height of injustice. How can you put your own daughter or your own son and force them into a lifelong commitment when they don't want to do so? This is a type of injustice. The flip side, children as well sometimes show injustice to their parents. When their parents most need them, when their parents are elderly and their children are healthy and they have wealth and they turn their backs on their parents. They don't care about their parents. This is indeed a type of injustice. One must take care of one's parents to the best of one's abilities. Also a type of dhulm and injustice that we see over and over again is between spouses, between couples that are married. And subhanAllah, to have a few arguments here and there, this is the reality of being married. But this should not allow us to show injustice to the other party. It should not allow us to take the rights that is not allowed for us to take. Brothers and sisters, of the greatest sources and causes of injustice in the world around us is actually between married couples, married partners, whether it is physical abuse, whether it is mental abuse, whether it is financial abuse, it is not allowed to take advantage and each party is guilty in this, in this reality even though no doubt sometimes men are more guilty of the physical abuse women are more guilty of the emotional abuse but still sometimes we find it each way. Yes it is true generally men are more physically abusive but there are cases where the woman abuses and the man cannot fight back and does not want to fight back and there's physical and I've had to deal with these in our society in our own community and there's cases of financial abuse as well that a, a woman is deprived of a livelihood a woman is deprived of a decent living because the man is pettily angry at her no matter what happens no matter what argument takes place you have to keep yourself in check every party here the, the husband and the wife it is not allowed to go beyond the bounds here as well brothers and sisters especially when divorce takes place 
A divorce is always awkward. A divorce is always painful. But this is where one's iman is tested. This is where one is truly shown. Are you a believer in Allah? Are you going to keep yourself in check? Or are you going to hurt your partner, your ex-partner as much as possible? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala especially reminds us of not doing dhulm in the case of divorce. And especially speaks to the men because each party is guilty of one thing more than the other. But generally speaking, men are guilty financially of trying to deprive women of their rights. So Allah says in the Quran, do not take their mahrs back if you divorce them. If you decide to divorce, do not take their financial, whatever gift you have given, whatever you have given unto them, do not take it back. And then Allah says, How dare you do so when you were so intimate together? You two were lived as a couple. You two did what nobody else is supposed to do. That's a special bond, special intimacy. Allah references the act of love. Allah references the union and says, Have you no shame, O men, after what you have done, after the lives you have lived? Now that sometimes divorce takes place, you don't have to be mean. You don't have to be nasty and move on with ihsan. And the same goes for women as well in the societies we live in. Sometimes it is the woman's side who takes advantage of the laws here and wants to get more than her share of the Sharia. Now again, this is a deep topic, brothers and sisters, and uh, unfortunately, this khutbah is not the time to get into it. And I'm one of the people who definitely is arguing very loudly and clearly. We have to have frank conversations about alimony, about prenuptial agreements, about the rights of the husband and wife if they decide to divorce. Yes, we have the right to, uh, to, to have an agreement before marriage, and I strongly encourage encourage prenuptials but this is not the time to get into the fiqh the reality is a lot of times in the world that we live in what this these courts give is more than what the sharia might give much more than what the sharia might give and this is now up to the woman she should go to scholars she should go to neutral family members and get a fair assessment what is fair because the quran does have one-time alimony. The Quran does have what is called mut'atu zawaj, which is a one-off gift that is given. Mut'atu talaq. You give it one time. That Allah has told us in the Quran, when a divorce takes place, the husband should give a final amount to that wife. That final amount, it is based on culture. And there's no question that given the realities that we live in, if a man has been married 20 years to a woman, and then he divorces her for no reason, and she has been a stay-at-home wife there's no question that she deserves an amount that is commensurate to that time spent and this is the job of the scholars to do so but what that amount is this is something that she cannot decide she has to get a neutral party she has to get elders and seniors what is a reasonable amount to take and once that decision is given just because the law gives it doesn't mean she has the right to take it and by the way this is a two-way street here sometimes the man is unjust sometimes the woman is unjust the point is both parties need to remember they have to answer to Allah. Both parties need to remember the courts and people will not decide. Allah will decide. There's a very amazing hadith, brothers and sisters, that really we should put in mind. Our Prophet said, you all come to me as a judge and you present your cases to me. And sometimes one of you is more persuasive than the other. So I am convinced. So I judge in his favor. But he knows he's wrong or he's lying. And then the Prophet said, and he is the Prophet of Allah. Just because I have judged in his favor and he knows he is wrong, doesn't mean it is permissible to take the money. That is a sign to him. Allah Azza wa Jal 
will account for that. And if he has taken it unjustly, lying, swearing, giving a false testimony, if he has given false evidence, then let him know, even if I give him the judgment, it is in reality he is eating a piece of the fire of hell. This is a hadith of our Prophet ﷺ. Judgments in this world are not the same as judgments in the hereafter. Just because a court, you can convince a judge, you can convince a jury, and you know you're lying, you know you're wrong, you have not exonerated yourself in the eyes of Allah. Therefore, husbands and wives who have to go through a divorce, first and foremost, pray to Allah for sincerity. Yes, you have to get your right from the other through court. Get what is due to you. No problem. I'm not saying don't get what is not due to you. But I am saying don't go beyond. And this applies to both genders. Too many times we see that each gender tries to take more than the other. It's not a question of one being guilty more. Both are guilty. And wallahi, worse than financial, worse than money, is when one of the parents brings in the children and uses the children as an emotional token to get rid of what is anger in their hearts. I do not understand as a parent, let me be very, very blunt here. I do not understand as a parent what type of love a mother or a father has when they go through a divorce and they're angry at their ex-partner that they then use their own children as a token and they deprive visitation from the other parent. They might construct a lie or they might do or say something they know is unethical and wrong because they're angry at their ex-partner they deprive that partner the right to see their children, the right to visit their children. I do not understand what type of love this is. You will harm your own children because of your own anger? Wallahi, this is not worthy of a mother, nor is it worthy of a father. How dare a mother or father deprive their own sons and daughters of the rights of the other parent? Every study has shown, every survey has shown that the psychological welfare of the children is increased when both parents are involved in the lives even if a divorce takes place even if there's anger between the two of you okay don't take the children and use them as tokens between this divorce give the rights that is due to the other party give the rights that is due even if the other partner has done dhulm with you if they haven't done dhulm on the children why are you bringing the children in get your rights in the court between you and your spouse no problem between you and your ex-spouse take your spouse to court get the financial duty no problem but to take it out on the children and to deprive the children of their mother or their father because you are angry at what he or she has done unto you wallahi not only is this immaturity it is harmful to the children and this is the height of dhulm you are showing dhulm to innocent children you're potentially scarring and harming them and you will have to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment and every parent should think long and hard every divorce partner should think long and hard what will I say on the day of judgment when my ex-partner and my children all complain to Allah and say because of my anger I deprived a healthy relationship between son and children between father and children and between mother and children dear brothers and sisters fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remember what Allah Allah tells us in Surah Abasa. What Allah tells us in Surah Abasa. يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِيهِ On the day of judgment, a person will run away from his blood brother. A person will see his parents and turn his back on them. A person will see his wife or a wife will see her husband and they will run the other way. Now, in this dunya, when we're in trouble, 
we run towards family. In this dunya, we had a bad day, we come home, we hug our wife. In this dunya, no matter how bad the world is, when our children come, we feel love and comfort. Why? On the day of judgment, when it is the most difficult day, we see our own blood family. Why does Allah say we will run away from them? Our scholars say, because the rights of the family are the biggest rights. And the one who has done zulm to his own father, mother, the one who has done zulm to his own wife, the one who has done zulm to his own children, he will be the most scared of them. Because on that day, nothing will protect him from the zulm he himself has done against his own family members. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us in the Quran, on that day, the person who is evil will run away from his own blood relatives. Contrast this with the believer, with the mu'min who has done no injustice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that on that day, when he gets his book in the right hand, he will go to his ahl, to his family, and he will say to them, look, I got my results. The loving family that is living upon justice, they will celebrate on the day of judgment together. The family that is living according to the sharia, they will be happy in this world, and they will be happy in the next. And as for the family that is not living in accordance with the Sharia, not only will they live a miserable life in this world, but on a day of judgment as well, they will also fa face the painful torment. Brothers and sisters, justice, justice, justice with your spouses, justice with your parents, justice with your children. And remember, you know your own conscience. You know what you have done that you should not have done. Absolve yourself in this world. Get rid of any misdeeds that you have done in this dunya. Be careful, you do not transgress the rights of other people because our Prophet Sallallahu said, beware of injustice. Beware of zulm because zulm will cause you grief. Zulm will cause you darkness on the day of judgment. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala bless me and you with and through the Quran and may he make us of those who his verses they understand and applies halal and haram throughout our lifespan. I ask Allah's forgiveness. You as well ask him for his the ghafoor and the rahman. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Ilwahid Al Ahad, Al Samad, Aladi Lam Yalid Walam Yulad, Walam Yakullahu Kufuan Ahad, Wabadu. O Muslims, of the greatest injustices that one can do to oneself is to take one's own life. And of the greatest zulm that one can do to somebody else is to take his or her life. And the most sacred life is that of a child. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When the child will be asked, What sin was I killed for? Wallahi, it is awkward, brothers and sisters. It is very awkward to mention these realities. But we are all reeling in light of the tragic incident that has taken place only a few miles away from our masjid to one of our own, you know, uh, uh, to one of our own families of our own communities. We don't know what to say, what to do. There is a whole whirlwind of emotions. And when emotions come, it's difficult to think rationally. So let me try my best to summarize briefly. It is completely normal to feel this whirlwind of emotions. Every one of these emotions is legitimate. It is a tragedy of the highest proportions. It makes us sad. It makes us confused. It makes us frustrated. And yes, at some level, it makes us angry as well. And each one of these emotions is legit and completely permissible. 
Brothers and sisters, there's no question that first and foremost our empathy goes out to the family and the extended family. Indeed, our hearts are saddened by the tragic loss. We feel the loss of an unnecessary life. We feel a sense of ultimate confusion. Our du'as go out to the extended family that has to deal with this double tragedy of murder and suicide. Wallahu musta'an. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, let us also be frank and learn from these tragedies. There's nothing wrong with pointing out that every one of us needs to be extra careful about our own anger, our own losses, about dealing with tragedy in our own personal life. No sadness in our lives should be the cause of another person's sadness. No tragedy in our personal lives should lead us to inflict tragedy on ourselves or other people. And to say this doesn't mean we don't have empathy with the people that have suffered. Of course we do. But with that empathy, there also needs to be a frank accounting, a frank assessment of ourselves to make sure this does not happen again. Suicide is a very, very awkward topic because on the one hand, it is forbidden. On the one hand, without a doubt, it is a major sin. And yet on the other hand, we can't help but feel at the human level a sense of empathy, a sense of pain, a sense of loss. And when that suicide is coupled with a suicide murder as has taken place, no doubt we're at a loss for words here. And it is indeed an awkward topic. But you know, the Quran gives us such beauty in how it talks about suicide. Both of these emotions simultaneously are exactly what the Quran tells us. Allah says in the Quran, "Wala taqtulu anfusakum." Don't kill yourselves. Inna Allah kana bikum rahima. Allah is ever merciful. So you begin with empathy. You begin with compassion. You remind yourself, Allah is Rahim, Allah is Ghafoor. No matter how bad life is, no matter what tragedy has happened, no matter whom you have lost, Allah loves you more than anyone else. And whatever tragedy you have been through, you shall come out of it, inshaAllah ta'ala, bigger, better, stronger, with more Iman. And when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, every pain that you've had, every suffering you've been inflicted with, inshaAllah, you were patient, you will get so much reward it will make that pain worth it. So Allah begins the verse, don't kill yourselves. Allah is Rahim with you. Allah is compassionate with you. And then Allah speaks in the third person. Allah doesn't speak to the one who has committed suicide. Right now Allah is speaking to the one contemplating suicide. First person, don't kill yourself, Allah says. I am merciful to you. Then Allah switches to the third person. Whoever does that, notice the change in pronoun. You don't speak to somebody or somebody's family directly in anger, in hostility. You speak to them with empathy and compassion. But at the same time, here on this mimbar, when we speak to the masses, we preach Allah's verdict. Whoever commits suicide, out of injustice, zulm, and out of animosity, out of a reason that is not legit, then Allah Azza will punish them. So we threaten generically, but when we come across an individual person, we have nothing but sympathy. For the family, we have nothing but compassion. There is no contradiction. This is the beauty of the Sharia. Generically, we threaten, do not commit suicide. Allah Azza will punish the one who commits suicide. And to the person directly, we say, brother, sister, don't contemplate suicide. Allah is merciful. Allah loves you. This is the reality of the Sharia, and this is exactly what we will preach. Brothers and sisters, a man committed suicide in the time of the Prophet because of a pain, because of an injury. 
The injury was so much, he couldn't bear the injury. And so he committed suicide. And the Sahaba began talking, this person shall never enter Jannah. The Prophet ﷺ told them that he had in fact entered Jannah because of his good deeds. That Allah looked at his whole life and forgave him for that one action. This is the way we speak. When a person does something irrationally, that person, this Sahabi, he lost control of his senses. He couldn't bear the pain. And so he did whatever he did. At the specific individual level, empathy. Generically, suicide is haram. Suicide is a major sin. Whoever does suicide has Allah's punishment. That's generic. But specifics, there is empathy. Especially when the deed has been done and somebody has already done this, we ask Allah's forgiveness. We don't know this Sahabi. This Sahabi was overcome with a type of pain. We do not know how bad it was. And in that pain, he lost control of his right and he did something that he should not have done. The Prophet himself said, I ask Allah's forgiveness and Allah forgave him. So when a person does this, it is done. We don't like this, we preach against it. But for the person that has done it, we make Allah's, we ask Allah's dua because we don't know their state of mind. Maybe they lost their senses. And if you lose your senses, Allah will not punish you if you are literally irrational, you have lost your senses. But we still preach generically, dear Muslims, do not get into that state. Dear Muslims, if you're feeling these types of emotions, if you're overcome, then speak to family and friends. Come to your local shiuch. And yes, seek professional help. There is no stigma in getting professional help. We now know so much about mental therapy, about, uh, about psychoanalysis. We know so much about professionals who know how to counsel somebody in grief. We didn't know this before. There's nothing wrong Islamically. In fact, it is obligatory if you're getting these types of thoughts and you have nowhere else to go. It is obligatory to get help. We don't want to see such tragedies again and again. Sadly, a few years ago, there was another incident in our extended Dallas community. Now we're having this incident as well. We need to speak out against it. Dear Muslims, if any of your extended family or friends is speaking in ways that trouble you, is saying things that is bringing alarm bells, do not remain silent. Be a part of their lives. Show them empathy. Give them love and support. And if need be, take them to professional therapists. Take them to grief counselors make sure that you do your best to prevent such tragedies and if such a tragedy happens wallahu musta'an then we ask Allah's forgiveness for those people we ask Allah's forgiveness for those that have undergone that and then we use this as a lesson for the rest of us we don't want to see this ever again allahumma inni da'in fa'minu allahumma la tad'a fi hadhal yawmi dhamban illa ghafarta wala hamman illa farajta wala dainan illa qadayta wala maridan illa shafayta wala asiran illa yassarta allahumma filana wa li وأننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم من أرادنا أو أراد الإسلام والمسلمين بسوء فاشغله بنفسه وجعل تدبيره في تدبيره يا قوي يا عزيز عباد الله إن الله تعالى أمركم بأمر بدأ به بنفسه وثنى بملائكة قدسه وثلث بكم أيها المؤمنون من جنه وإنسه فقال عز من قائل عليما إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك وأنعم على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين عباد الله إن الله تعالى يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإتاء القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروه يزد لكم ولذكر الله تعالى أكبر وأقم الصلاة
الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله استو straighten your rows leave no gaps in the line الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين ولا تحسبن الله غافلا عما يعمل الظالمون إنما يؤخرهم ليوم تشخص فيه الأبصار مهطعين مقنعي رؤوسهم لا يرتد إليهم طرفهم وأفئدتهم هواء وأنذر الناس يوم يأتيهم العذاب فيقول الذين ظلموا فيقول الذين ظلموا ربنا أخرنا إلى أجل قريب نجب دعوتك ونتبع الرسل أولم تكونوا أقسمتم من قبل ما لكم من زوال وسكنتم في مساكن الذين ظلموا أنفسهم وتبين لكم كيف فعلنا بهم وضربنا لكم الأمثال وقد مكروا مكرهم وعند الله مكرهم وإن كان مكرهم لتزول منه الجبال فلا تحسبن الله مخلف وعده رسله إن الله عزيز ذو انتقام الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر 
Allahu Akbar Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin arrahmanir rahim maliki yawmiddin iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'in ihdinas siratal mustaqim siratal ladhina an'amta 'alayhim ghayril maghdubi 'alayhim فلا تحسبن الله مخلف وعده رسله إن الله عزيز ذو انتقام يوم تبدل الأرض غير الأرض والسماوات وبرزوا لله الواحد القهار وترى المجرمين يومئذ مقرنين في الأصفاد سرابيلهم من قطران وتغشى وجوههم النار ليجزي الله كل نفس ما كسبت إن الله سريع الحساب هذا بلاغ للناس ولينذروا به وليعلموا أنما هو إله واحد وليعلموا أنما هو إله واحد وليذكر أولو الألباب الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم we've had requests for dua uh, two people have passed away and three people are asking dua for sick. Uh, as for those who have passed away, the uncle of our musalli, uh, Brother Hussein Ali, his uncle has passed away in Canada. 
and also one of our uh, sisters, her, her son has passed away in California. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive the deceased. Allahumma firlahum warhamhum wa'afihim wa'afu anhum wa'akrim nuzulahum wa'wasi'am udkhalahum wa'gsilhum ilma'i wa'thalji wal-barad Allahumma naqqihim min al-dhunubi al-khutaya kama yunaqqa thawbal abyadu min al-danas and we have also requests for those that are sick. We have three requests. Uh, firstly, Dr. Sultana, our uh, local um, uh, dentist. Uh, she is uh, with cancer. She's going through uh, chemo and radiation today, so she has made a request for dua. Uh, and also, uh, Brother Fahmi Munawwar, he's the father of our uh, regular Musalli Arif Makta. Uh, and also, uh, the mother of Samir and uh, Naveed, uh, Sister Razia. Uh, they are all sick, uh, each one with uh, specific diseases that they've asked uh, us to make dua for. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahumma rabban nas, we ask Allah to cure them swiftly. We ask Allah to cure them completely. We ask Allah Azza to allow these sicknesses to overpass and overcome and to make it a kafara for their sins.